0: Is your faith a religious faith, or is it a saving faith? Today, that's going to be our topic on Awakened to Grace, and we're going to see why righteousness makes all the difference in the world in true saving faith. I'm glad you're joining us on this episode of Awakened Radio. with me Romans chapter 3. We're going to talk about righteousness today. What righteousness is as well as what it is not. Okay? And we're going to answer the question, what is biblical righteousness and what happens when it really comes into our life. Romans chapter 3 begin with me in verse number 19 and we're going to go through some of this scripture together. Paul writes in verse 19. Give me the first word. My mind just went blank. What is it? Now Now we know. All of you answered and I couldn't hear you. That was wonderful though. Thank you so much. That encourages me. All right. Verse 19. Now we know that what the law says speaks to those who are under the law. Now, we know what the law says, speaks to those who are under the law. And I love this next phrase. Listen to what Paul says. So that every mouth may be stopped. I love that. And that the world may be held accountable to God. What a powerful statement. What a verse that this culture that we live in needs to hear. You and I know, you know this as well as I do, what a divisive culture this is, right? I mean, those of you that perhaps you're a bit older than I am, have you ever seen a day in your lifespan that things are as divisive as what they are right now today? And it seems like with the rise of social media that now everybody has a voice and everyone lifts their voice as high as they can and we have all these little keyboard warriors, you know what I'm talking about, and everybody has an opinion and everyone feels like they must share their opinion or let's say it this way, everyone has to push their opinion. But when it comes to God Almighty... When it comes to what the Bible calls the righteous judge, let me tell you, my friend, my opinion doesn't matter. And your opinion doesn't matter. And the opinion of this present age does not matter. When you and I stand before God, the Bible says, every mouth will be stopped. Because we are all held accountable before God. Amen? I love it. Paul just couldn't have, every, I tell you how I'd say it. I'd say, shut your mouth. But that's not how the Bible says it. So let's don't go there. But the Bible, <laughs> but, but he says, every mouth is going to be stopped. You'll have no argument. You'll have no argument. You and I will be held accountable Before God. See what Paul's going to do. This is how the gospel works. Paul is going to give us the bad news before he gives us the good news. And see, people who don't understand the gospel, they've never seen the bad news to understand how good the good news is. So, will you go with me and explore the bad first? Every person of every age, of every generation, is going to stand before the righteous judge, before God Almighty. And this verse tells us everyone will be without excuse. I used to think to myself when I was younger, well, what about people who live in, in other lands and, and, and villages that have no Bible or people who have no missionary or areas that have no churches? How will God deal with them? And while... I feel like I would be very prideful to tell you, well, this is what God would. No, I can only tell you what the Bible says. And what the Bible says in Romans chapter 2 is that every man, because creation itself tells us there is a God, creation itself leaves every man without excuse. See, God's built into each human being an ally for the gospel. And you know what that is? It's our conscience. Every person will stand before God without excuse. And the Bible says every mouth will be stopped and everyone will be held accountable. Now, look at the next verse because Paul is going to build a very logical argument. And that's why rather than going verse over here, verse over there, my favorite way to preach is just simply line for line. Verse for verse because it all makes sense and it all just stacks up like a beautiful, incredible argument. And so Paul's going to lay his case and Paul's going to make his argument and listen to what he says. So because, let's understand this, because everyone's going to be without excuse and everyone's going to stand before God, look what he says next. For not by works of the law will no human being be justified in God's sight. That's a huge statement. It's not by the works of the law that any human being will be justified in God's sight. So what's he mean by the works of the law? That means for those who perhaps think, well, you know, I I think when, 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 People stand before God. God's going to judge murderers, and he's going to judge rapists, and he's going to judge, you know, child kidnappers, you know, people like that. But when it comes to me, what have I ever done to hurt anyone? Or if I have, it certainly wasn't with intention. I mean, you know, I'm I'm a pretty good person. And I feel like I'm a really good person. And I may not be perfect, but I'm certainly not like other people. And I think God's going to recognize that. My friend, no, he won't. Because today, you may be listening, whether in the building or watching online, and you may be listening, thinking to yourself, I'm a good person. And indeed, you may be a good person, but good is not good enough. And there's a phrase here that I want each of us to understand because perhaps you've never, you know, maybe you've never heard this, but this is so critical to understanding the gospel. The Bible says that by the works of the law, those things you and I can do, being a good person, being a kind person, being a moral person, being a kind-hearted person, all these good things that you and I can do. The Bible says that the works of the law will not justify us in the sight of God. And some of you listening today, you feel justified in your own eyes. And some of you feel justified in the eyes of your friends or you feel justified in the eyes of this culture. But my question to you, my friend today, is have you been justified in the eyes of God Almighty? Because that's the only thing that counts. And where Paul is going to lead us and where we're going to go in this text is he's going to teach us, he's going to show us how you and I can know that we're justified in the sight of God. And let me tell you what I want for my life. I don't care whether you like me or not. I don't care whether you approve of me or not. I don't care if I'm justified in your eyes or not or in this culture's eyes or not. I want to be justified in the eyes of God only. And this scripture is going to tell me exactly how to have that happen. Are you with me so far? Say amen if you're with me. I got around all those Baptists last night. I'm going back to my Baptist roots. Ha! No, I'm kidding. I I won't do that, but... (laughs) I joke, I grew up Baptist, I can say that, right? All right, where am I? So let's follow the text. Whatever the law has to say, it speaks to those who are under the law. My friends, if you're saved, you're under grace today. The law condemns. The law was given not so that you and I can look at ourselves and do a checklist. you remember the rich young ruler? That's what he did. Honor your father and mother? Check. Done that. Not commit adultery? Check. Uh, Not steal anything? Check. Not commit murder? Check. The law was never given so that you and I can compare ourselves and feel all religious and feel like we are somebody. The law was given to condemn us. To say you are utterly helpless, you are hopeless apart from Jesus Christ. You may be good, but your good will never be good enough. And you need Jesus. That's why the law was given. So for those who want to live under the law, for those who want to live under the letter of the law, like the rich young ruler who would not follow Jesus, and the Bible says he walked away sorrowful. For those who won't really live and and, and make Jesus Lord of their life, but they would rather depend on their own goodness, and they would rather depend on their good intentions and how good of a person they are, then the Bible says whatever the law has to say, it speaks to those who are under the law. But if you're saved today, you're under grace and what a difference. And then he goes on and he's going to say it's not by the works of the law that any human being will be justified in the sight of God. And then watch what he says. It is through the law that comes the knowledge of sin. It's through the law that we understand how deep in trouble we are. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, the law, the law would say this. The law would say, do you consider yourself a good person? And I would think the majority, the overwhelming majority of us would say, yeah, we're a pretty good person. But do you know what the law says? The law says, have you ever taken anything that doesn't belong to you? Would you consider yourself a thief? I wouldn't but have I ever taken anything that doesn't belong to me let me tell you what never to do don't ever loan a book to a preacher because he'll steal it every time (laughs) (laughs) have you ever taken anything that didn't belong to you have you ever not returned something that didn't belong to you you're a thief anybody here ever told a lie raise your hand if you told a lie I can't see you. Put your hands down. I don't know why you do that. (laughs) But you're with me, aren't you? When you stand before God, you'll be a liar. Let me tell you what the law does. It's through the law that comes the knowledge of sin. You may sit here today and say, I've never committed adultery. But the law says... If you've ever lusted after someone in your heart, you've committed adultery. You may sit here in your state of religion and say, I've never murdered anyone, but the law says that if you have hatred in your heart, you've murdered someone. It's through the law that comes the knowledge of sin. This puts you and I in a very... Very bad situation. Now, watch what Paul's going to argue. But the righteousness of God, verse 20, uh, I think that's verse 21. 21? Yeah, 21, thank you. Man, you guys are on it today. Praise God. I love it. Verse 21, but the righteousness of God was made manifested apart. From the law, although the law and prophets bear witness to it. In other words, the righteousness of God came apart from the law. It doesn't need the law. It's going to stand on its own. But what's the purpose of the law? To give us the knowledge of how bad we are. To give us the knowledge of how depraved we are. So that no one, no matter how pious you are, no matter how good you are, no matter how religious you are, no matter what kind of family you grew up in, no matter how much money you have, no matter what your morals are, no matter what you have, you cannot stand before God and say, I'm righteous. You can't do it. So what is the righteousness of God? Let's answer that real quick. What is righteousness? You know, it it saddens me that in church culture, it it seems like a lot of times when we mention righteousness, the first thing we think of is self-righteousness. And everybody's been around some self-righteous people before, right? (sighs) You have been around self-righteous people? Anybody got self-righteous people in your family? We've all been around self-righteous people, and that's no fun, is it? I hate that the word righteousness gets thought of with self-righteousness. Righteousness is a beautiful word throughout the entire Bible. And this is literally what it means. Righteousness means to be in right standing with God. It literally means to be able to stand upright before God. You know how big that is? You remember what happened in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve failed. Eve was deceived, Adam rebelled, and they sinned before the Lord. And you remember what happened when God came to fellowship with them in the cool of the day and the evening? And do you remember what Adam and Eve did? They hid themselves. In their nakedness, ashamed, exposed, they hid. And do you know what we do today, my friend? When we allow sin into our life or we harbor sin somehow or something creeps into our life, you know what we do? We do the exact same thing. You know why? Because we get it from our mom and dad. It's built into our DNA and we hide from God. As a pastor, that breaks my heart when, you know, I'll, I'll miss a family after a while and I'll check on them. And, you know, may, maybe they'll say something to the degree of, I just don't feel right about coming back to church or what. My friend, this is where you ought to run to. Yeah. Amen? Amen? But what happens to us? We want to run. We want to hide. We, we don't want to be in the presence of God and see what righteousness This is why Satan doesn't want you to feel righteous. I'm not talking about self-righteousness where you're better than somebody else because true righteousness sees how depraved you truly are. If I have true righteousness, I'm not going to feel as though I'm better than someone else. I'm going to go, I know what a depraved sinner I was and God rescued me. I got no room to judge anybody. And see, what righteousness does is it allows me, a sinner, to receive the grace of God that now I can come out from behind my sin. I can come out from that nakedness, that exposed, that being ashamed, and now I am clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and now I can stand upright before God without any shame, without any guilt, without any condemnation, amen? That now, Romans 8, 1, that now because I am in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation in my life. That's what righteousness does. And that's why Satan doesn't want us to understand it. So Paul says, this righteousness, it's apart from the law. Although the law and prophets bear witness to it. And then what does he say? Watch this, because this is the key right here. But the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Do you hear that? Righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ. If I'm going to have this righteousness that cleanses my life, that forgives my sin, that washes away my past, that makes me a new creation, that comes in and transforms my heart and transforms my thinking and transforms my nature and transforms my lifestyle, how am I going to receive it? Through faith in Jesus Christ. But what kind of faith? The kind of faith that we find in East Tennessee. Because let me tell you, we're, we're an odd area. Did you know that? <laughs> it, those of you who relocated here, you're, you're welcome to say amen if you think we're an odd area. Amen. I grew up here and I know it. If you're not careful, it seems as though almost everyone's a Christian. Are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, why are you a Christian? Oh, I did that when I was a kid. But there's no evidence. There's no fruit. There's no following Jesus as an adult. Very dangerous. Many in our country say they're Christian. You 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 know what it means to be Christian in name only? We call that nominal Christians. Christian in name only. No following Jesus. No no evidence of true salvation. So many people in that situation. My friends, it's not enough to simply believe in Jesus. Let, let me show you the difference. The difference is so many people, and perhaps you're sitting here today listening, or perhaps you're watching online, and maybe your faith is really simply a religious faith. Let, let me tell you the difference between a religious faith and a saving faith. A religious faith says, no, oh, I believe there's a God. I believe, I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross. I believe he rose from the dead. I believe he can forgive sin. Oh, I believe all that. But a religious faith says "But I also think I'm a good person. I also think when I stand before God, I'll be okay because, because of, you know, I'm pretty good. That's a religious faith. The Bible says that demons believe and even tremble, but they're not born again. But let me tell you what a saving faith is. A saving faith recognizes. A saving faith acknowledges. A saving faith says, I understand that I, in my goodness, I will never be good enough. I am lost. I am without Christ. I am undone. And apart from the grace of God, I have Nothing. And I can't be good enough to please God or be accepted by God. The only way I'll be accepted by God is through his son, Jesus Christ. That's saving faith. And so my question to you today is when it comes to your faith, is it a religious faith where you go, "Mm, I'm pretty good. I'm not as bad as most people. I feel pretty good about standing before God. Or is your faith a saving faith that says, if I stand before God, the only hope I have is Christ between me and him. That, my friends, is saving faith. And the only way that you'll obtain righteousness, the only righteousness that is recognized in the sight of God, not in the sight of man, not in the sight of culture, but in the sight of God. The only way you'll have that righteousness is through saving faith in Jesus Christ. Now watch where he goes, because this is fascinating to me. He says, but the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all who believe, I love that, that's every generation, that's every age, that's, every, uh, that, that's even to our day. For all who believe, the saving faith, it's for everyone who believes. For there's no distinction. What's he mean by that? There's no Jew, there's no Gentile in the kingdom of God. There's no distinction between the Jew or the Gentile. And then watch what he says in verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now what does that scripture mean? Now, here's the real bad news before we get to the real good news. All have sinned and all fall short. What's it mean to fall short? Uh, A a good way of saying this is all uh, have fallen short or all miss the mark or all miss the standard. They don't hit the standard or they fall short. A good example, um, let me do a little plug here. On the last Sunday of September, we're going to do a big church cookout like we do every year at Warriors Path State Park on Duck Island. You guys been to that with us before, some of you? It's a great time. It's going to be shelter 5 at 5 p.m. A little shameless plug there. Shelter 5: 5, 5 p.m. You can put it in your notes. <laughs> um, but those of you who you've been to Warriors Path, if you're watching online, you're not from this area, you, you probably don't know what I'm talking about, but let me just describe it. Warrior's Path is this beautiful state park and in the middle of this large lake is this island called Duck Island, right? All these pavilions and walkways and basketball court and all this stuff. If you and I were to hold a contest, On that last Sunday of September, let's say our church took out some billboards and did some TV ads and radio ads and and social media ads. And let's say we held a contest and this is what we said. We are going to give a prize, $10,000 to the person who can jump from Duck Island over to the main parking. Who do you think could do that? It would not matter Who showed up for the contest? It wouldn't matter how young they were or athletic they were or healthy they were or strong they were. None of those factors would matter. It would not matter if an NBA star came or an NFL star or, for crying out loud, even an Olympic athlete. It would not matter who entered our contest. The fact is, is no one would have the capacity to jump from the Shore of Duck Island over to the main but No one would have that ability. Everyone who entered our contest would do what? They would fall short. And this is exactly what Paul meant. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory, of the standard, of the mark of God. So you can bring your checklist and you can bring your religion and you can bring your goodness and you can bring your kindness and you can bring all of these things before God. But guess what, my friend? It falls flat. It falls short. That's the gospel. Is that you and I of ourselves do not have the ability nor the capacity to bring ourselves before God and be justified. But what's the good news here? For all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. Praise God. Now listen to the good news. You want to be justified? What's justification mean? Another great big Bible word all throughout the New Testament, as well as some of the Old. What does it mean? The just shall live by faith. What's it mean to be justified? We're justified by the grace of God as a gift. What's that mean? Well, it's different than a pardon. Because a pardon says, you're guilty, but we're going to release you. Justification is not a pardon. Justification, this is literally what it means. While righteousness means to stand upright, to be in right standing before the righteous judge, what does justification mean? It means to be declared not guilty by the righteous judge. It means to be declared not guilty. It's not a pardon where, yes, you have the crime, but now you're released. It means the crime was never even done. It means you're declared not guilty. Now, my friends, I know the sins of my past. I know the sins of my life. I know the failures, and I know the good, the bad, and the ugly. How many of you know your sin? You know what I'm talking about, right? Come on, let's get real, right? Because there's like five of you answering. We all know our sin, right? You were real good at the beginning, but now it's getting real tight. Okay, real tense. We know our sin, right? How can God, the righteous judge, look at me, look at you, and say they're not guilty? How can that be? When you know it, and I know it. Do you know why? Because the righteous judge made a decree and he declared us not guilty in Jesus. See, when you and I are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus, do you know how God the Father sees us? He sees us as his son, Jesus. He sees us through, he sees us as though we are the sons and daughters of God. Do you know what the Bible says? how angels feel about so great a salvation in the book of 1 Peter? The Bible says that angels long to look at so great a salvation. In other words, they're so intrigued. How can sinning, depraved, flawed people like that be seen as though Jesus is seen by the Father? It's the righteousness of God. And it's not the works of the law that produce it. It's not your good intentions that produce it. It's not your morals that produce it. It's not your kindness that produces it. It's only faith in Jesus Christ, the saving faith that clothes us in righteousness. And here's what I love because this is what Paul is going to make clear. Many of us, especially in our culture, in our culture so often, our attitude is if you want it, you earn it, right? You want it, you accomplish it. That's not how the gospel works. The Bible says it's given as a gift. You can't earn righteousness. You can't earn favor with God. It's only through Jesus. And you know why the gospel is that way? So that at the end of the day, you and I will never be able to boast. It's only Jesus. You know, I've said many times, younger in my Christian faith, I would say silly things like, Well, I found Jesus. What? Or, I received the Lord, or I did this, or I was saved. No, my friend, you and I could not do anything of our own. It was all through Jesus. And why? It's so that no one may boast. We can't earn it. Those of you who are born again today, it's not because you're smart. It's not because you're uh, spiritual. It's certainly not because you're lucky You and I cannot earn this. It is by the grace of God as a gift. Amen. Can we just thank God for his gift today? His gift of grace. Now, we're going to finish this verse 24. How is all of this come into our life? By the grace of God as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's how all this comes into our life. So today, if you're someone that you feel like you have to earn God's favor, if you're someone that you don't feel like you're good enough, well, guess what, my friend? You're not. Don't let that trip you up. Don't sit there in your sin and go, well, one day I'll be good enough, or one day I'll be accepted, or one day I'll be this, or I'll be that. No, you won't. The only thing you need today is to be clothed in Christ. And Do you know what happens? As you grow in your understanding of righteousness, you want more Jesus and you want less sin. What do we say so often? Christians are not sinless by no means. But we should be sinning less and less and less and less as we grow in our understanding of righteousness. Have you been made righteous today? Not through what you've done, but through who you've received. Have you been made righteous not because of who you are but because of what the gospel's done in you if you stood before God today would you stand before God only with what is good about you or would you stand before God and say I put Christ between me and you I put Christ because he's my only hope I want you to bow your heads today and My question today is actually very, very simple. Do you have a religious faith or do you have a saving faith? Lord, work in our hearts today. Work in our hearts. Praise God. I want your righteousness, Jesus. And to think, to think that you share it with me. When I know the thoughts I have sometimes, I know the feelings I wrestle with sometimes. And yet you share your righteousness with me. help me to choose your righteousness over my sin your righteousness that you share today perhaps you're not clothed in Christ's righteousness and you know that perhaps today you say Chad I'm someone who's religious but I've never truly been saved I'm going to invite you right now to pray with me. If you're watching or listening online, I invite you to pray as well. I want you to pray with me right now to receive the righteousness of Jesus. Pray with me right now, and just in your heart, pray with me. Jesus Christ, I forsake my righteousness, and I ask for yours. I repent of my sin and I make you Lord and Savior of my life today. I want to stand righteous before you, cleansed, made new, transformed. save me today in Jesus name Amen Amen Praise God